This is the Fire Life. Medic 11. We still have quite a bit of fire in the water. The podcast that takes you inside Adams County Fire Rescue. Adams County Offside. And introduces you to the brave men and women keeping our community safe. When the tone drops, we're all family and we all take care of each other. Uh, right now we have an outside fire. No, we got this guy that is here. Can we also get some salvage operation in here? On this episode of the Fire Life, training chief and former minor league baseball player, Brett Williamson, on his 33 years in the fire service. When you accomplish something and you do it to a very high level and you see a positive result and then you're together after that and get to talk about the areas that, hey man, that went really well. When we're able to have those conversations to help us grow to become better people and help become better firefighters for our community. Also, firefighter and training coordinator, Dustin Wiesner. Mentoring someone is part of the job. Mm-hmm. And sure. part of the job that most everyone you know takes pride in. This is the Fire Life. Welcome to the Fire Life, a podcast by Adams County Fire Rescue. I am Julie Brownman, the public information officer at ACFR. And in the podcast today, we have a very high-ranking chief. We are talking about the training chief Brett Williamson. Hi, Brett. How are you today, Julie? I'm good. I'm glad you joined us. This is a long time coming. Yes, it is. I'm, I'm, I'm a little excited about this as well. Yeah, this will be fun. You've got, uh, we wanted to get you on for many reasons. You are leaving us soon. So I want to talk about, um, you've had a, a really great long career. So changes that you've seen along the way, lessons that you've learned, things you want to impart on uh, a lot of people coming into ACFR. And my co-host today is firefighter Dustin Wiesner who is also in the training department as a training coordinator. Hi, Dustin. Hey, Julie. How's it going? I'm doing well, how are you? Very good, very good. Um, okay, so we're gonna start this off. How many years have you been in the fire service? Been in the fire service a total of 33 years. Started with the uh, city of Federal Heights as a volunteer, and then moved over to North Washington in 1996, up until my present time now, which will be ending in July of 2024. Did you grow up wanting to be a firefighter? No, I wanted to grow up being a professional baseball player. That's where all my dreams and aspirations sat. And then from there, um, things took place where I had that opportunity of, of achieving that goal of playing professional athletics. And then once I got into the fire service, I knew I was in a career that I felt most comfortable with. That is giving back to people. And there's nothing, no greater value than providing people that opportunity of your service. Chief, did you go straight from professional baseball to the fire service? No, what I did there, there was a little lull in there for a few years where I was in construction. Uh, My sister owns a construction company in California, so I went through the apprenticeship program to become a master carpenter. I did that for uh, four or five years, and then I continued that that trade all the way in through the fire service as I maintained uh, my days off from the firehouse as a superintendent for a local home builder. What did you find the difference between professional sports and coming to the fire service? Well, professional sports or is, similarity. Professional sports. The, some of the differences are is um, you're there for one, your oneself. Basically, it's salary driven. Um, so that was kind of different. And then, as a minor league baseball player, you're always trying to achieve to get to that next level. So you'll do whatever it takes to get to there. When you become in the fire service, you have mentors, you have leaders, and then you have your peers that you want to work side by side with that hold you to a certain level of accountability and expectations to perform for your community. 
So that, that was something that was really uh, drawn to me is, is I didn't realize how important it is to give to another person. So I want to ask you something before we get into your career and all your experiences and what you're doing now. I want you to give us your favorite baseball moment. <laughs> so we were in spring training and we were playing the Blue Jays. And you were with the Reds. I was with Cincinnati at the time. And we had a bench clearing brawl. And I was playing right field at the time. And as I'm running to the pile, I know that I'm going to get a hold of somebody and I'm going to give them the old what for. <laughs> and so as I'm jumping into the pile, I see this blue hat with a white front. And I know it's does not Cincinnati guy. So I know this is a Blue Jay guy. So I jump in there and I put this person in a headlock. And as I'm punching him on the way down to the ground, because, you know, you really can't hit that hard when you're in the middle. You maybe get, like, you know, a two-inch jab, three-inch jab. Uh -huh. um, I'm just punching the guy on the top of the head. So I just feel like I'm accomplishing something. <laughs> so really no, no, no damage, right? Well, after they break the pile up, I let go of my choke hold on this individual. And it's like the seven-year-old hitting coach. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I'm going like, oh, great. I'm punching a 70-year-old man. <laughs> Oh, I had not heard that story. Oh, no. Those are some of the ones that you just keep close to the heart. You know, you share every now and then. Now everybody's going to know, but oh, well. Yeah. It, was a, it was a great moment. Yeah. Do you want to? Did you guys have a laugh about it afterwards? Uh, we still laugh about it. You know, some of the guys at the firehouse and we talk about some of those moments and I share that, you know, they're like, come on, Brett, you beating up on an old guy. Pick someone in your own age. I'm helping. <laughs> I'm helping. I, exactly. That's what I thought. I'm helping. <laughs> Well, so the camaraderie is really a, a bit of the same. And we did a podcast a couple months ago about they had saved, Dustin's crew had saved that St. Bernard. And we were talking about the, the best parts of the fire service. And while that was an amazing call, it really boils down the com, to the camaraderie. Now, you've been in the fire service for a very long time. So if you can kind of just maybe tell us some of those memories where it really, when you hang it up and, and you leave and you go on to your next thing, which is amazing those kind of moments that you're going to remember and then maybe lessons learned from that. Yeah, so the biggest thing that uh, you stick through and sticks with you the whole time is the fact that you, you, you have these group of individuals that you have worked together with, that ate dinner with, that you have done everything with for a period of time. You get to know everything about them. And then when a call drops that you guys are all on that same common goal to where nothing really has to be spoke, but it, 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 the work gets done, whether it's an EMS call or it's an auto extrication or it's a, a structure fire, it just, it just happens and it becomes in sync. And the fact that when I started, there was only seven or nine of us on shift. So we had to do the job of two or three people so that the level of expectation was there, meaning it was elevated, not any more different than it is today. But today, now there's 33 people online, and that takes a little more uh, orchestrating for a company officer and around the station. So that sometimes the camaraderie can be, I would envision, hit and miss, but I'm sure it's uh, very strong within the agency for sure. Did you ever have a call where you're like, it's you and somebody else and it's a raging fire and you look at each other, you know, back in the day, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I would say um, that happened to me uh, when I was with the, actually with the city of Federal Heights, my very first structure fire, I was with uh, our training captain, Eric Davis, who was a firefighter there. 
and we went into an apartment fire and I was ordered to do a right-hand search. So I did a right-hand search while Eric was putting the fire out and I went into a bedroom and I swept underneath the bed and boom, the body. So I pulled that body out, swept on top of the bed, found another body, put that body on top of that body. From there, I left those two people there, finished the uh, search of the bedroom, and then um, lashed their hands together with a lark's foot with a half safety and then drug them out to the front door. And uh, when you get there, when you're 28, 29 years old, you really don't think much of it. It's like just doing my job. But then as time goes on, you really realize that was pretty special. That's that's a pretty remarkable call. Yeah, especially for your first structure fire. (laughs) For any structure fire. (laughs) Right, to pull someone out. And then just going on calls with um, those men and women within the fire service, it's just when you accomplish something and you do it to a very high level and you see a positive result and that you tried your best and then you're together after that and get to talk about the areas that, hey, man, that went really well, you know. Is there anything I could do a little bit better next time to make sure it's easier on you and doing your job? When we're able to have those uh, conversations to help us grow to become better people and help become better firefighters for our community. We hear a lot in the fire service about um, the different ages now and how it used to get done and how it gets done now and maybe some challenges in communicating. So because you guys are different ages, tell me the, the challenges and the benefits of dealing with younger firefighters. And Dustin, if you can tell me the challenges and the benefits of working with somebody with that much experience. So what's nice is, is that when I work with the younger firefighters, I have two children, a son that's 32 and a daughter that's 30. So a little bit of uh, parenting in there. But some of the challenges is, is maybe looking at it from their perspective, seeing what they're wanting or needing, and then maybe not um, in, trying to influence them so much on what you want to see. Maybe a little more self-reflection on what they're telling me. And the, the term I use is learning to listen to what they're telling me. Oh, okay, can you help me understand that? Where's this common ground to where we can work together to accomplish what you need and what I need? Yeah, I mean, I think it's... you're you're. I'm way older than you're giving me credit for it. <laughs> you just look young. <laughs> but, you uh, still get carded. He, yeah, yeah, he I, does, I, I'm right? Kind of, I am kind of right in the middle, you know. I feel like I'm kind of a, I have an old heart, and um, the way I was raised, the work ethic, the work ethic mm. that was instilled in me is um, slightly different than what I'm seeing come up now. But the big thing and it was a big advantage for me when I got to the fire service. I feel is I had life experience. Yeah. You know, I was mm-hmm. 30 years old when I got into the fire service. Um, you know, I had already had essentially two careers before that that I'd worked for 10 years. Um, so now it's tough because we're hiring a lot younger. You yeah. know, we got a rookie sitting out at that table who's 21 years old. Uh, you know, he got out of high school, went to college, graduated college, joined the fire service. Not a lot of life experience there, you know, so yeah. it's, it's hard. You know, I even have to stop and pump my brakes is, you know, like, how, how do you start a saw? I'm like, how do you not know how to start a saw? You're 21 years old. I started saws when I was 16. I had to, you know, <laughs> down on the farm, you had to cut yeah. down the trees. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so and I could see that they have that same frustration. And then the other direction, you know, these kids are coming through so technologically savvy and way, way more advanced in a lot of areas than a lot of 
even I am, uh-huh. and the uh, um, the older members are. That I think that I think we do a good job of bridging that gap. Really, I think that because of the traditions and the culture that the fire service hold, um, it really doesn't give you much of an option. Like mentoring someone is part of the job, mm-hmm. and sure. part of the job that most everyone you know takes pride in. Mm-hmm. You know, like. And he can speak to it from the train division. He's everyone's mentor. Yeah. You know, I get one rookie and that's, I have my name on that rookie. So when he goes out and he works at other stations or he goes mm. to a job and he's working with another crew, they judge me based on how he's performing. Unfortunately for chief, everyone judges chief on how everyone's performing. Correct. It's a, <laughs> it's, it's a tough spot, a target, it's, but I don't mind it. You have to be uh a strong-minded and strong-willed, knowing that if you're putting your best foot forward and you're trying your best and listening to what the the members are telling you and willing to change, th- then it becomes uh, a lot easier to, uh, the word I like to use is maybe be scrutinized, but I'm okay with that. It's tough. I mean, a lot of people say they have thick skin, and but everybody wants to do well, right? And nobody likes to mm-hmm. get attacked i mean every the toughest firefighter yeah. would feel the same way you know you know that's that's where you have your confidants and your, your mm-hmm. like we talked earlier about your your comrades and your camaraderie yeah. with your individuals that's what the training division has that that i have that ability to to communicate with and then the the training captain eric davis and i have been friends for over 30 years we know our families we watched our families grow up so having that ability to uh, communicate with him and back and forth and we're able to grow and change and and see what uh, the greater good is. Did you know August 26th is International Dog Day? And we do love our dogs and pets here at ACFR. That's why we want to pass on these safety tips when it comes to home fires throughout the year. First up, make sure you include your pet in your home fire escape plan. Designate a member of your family to take your pet out of your house and another person to grab leashes and carriers in case the scene becomes hectic. And make sure when you practice your home fire escape plan, you practice with your pet. Next, extinguish all open flames when you leave the room. It's just not safe to leave a lit flame where curious pets either injure themselves or knock over a candle, for example, and start a fire which absolutely does happen. Over a thousand fires are started every year accidentally by pets. Make sure you and your pet don't become a statistic. And finally, if you've made your way out of your house during a fire, don't go back in to get your pet. You're not only risking your life, but the lives of first responders as they try to go back in and save you. Instead, put a decal on your window, which lets firefighters know how many pets you have inside and what kind of pets they are. This saves valuable time and helps first responders locate your pet as soon as they make entry into your home. You can find these type of stickers and decals on places like Amazon. Taking simple steps like these can keep your entire family safe, including those four-legged friends. Now, back to the fire life with Julie Brownman. How is training changing throughout the years. Um, I had heard stories of before we merged with Northwash and then um, SWAC that you guys could take houses, old houses, and just light them on fire and train on that. Yes. So so at least from the, the Northwash days, we had Jim Notary, who is the training chief at Training Chiefs, and uh, he took the time as a chief to really educate us on the three major factors I felt in the fire service of fire suppression. 
uh, building construction and fire behavior. And then from there, we moved into Chief Lorienti. But what we did when we had those opportunities to talk about those three areas of, of um, fire service is we actually acquired homes. And we sat in those structures for three and four and five days and burned them in different areas so we could learn about fire behavior and about fire suppression and about building construction. So that was really um, a great opportunity. And when you're a smaller department, you were able to really get more hands-on and more reps. And so then you're having a better comprehension and understanding what's trying to be accomplished. Yeah, I expect your um, experience as a master carpenter probably is super beneficial for um, understanding building construction and how that affects fire behavior. Yeah, you really do. You know, it's it, uh, having a good understanding that smoke will predict your future and understanding on how, how all that plays out in the fire service and on fire suppression. Building construction and understanding how the, all those components or nomenclatures go together will definitely give you a better idea what's going on in that house, why it's on fire 100%, and then how to suppress it or put the fire out prior to going inside absolutely how do you keep up to date on is there a latest and greatest in training or is it the you tried and true or how are you mixing up your programs so let's circle back to that one question is is um you talked about how training has evolved and changed from from the north wash days to our merger days Mm -hmm. the biggest thing is i i always thought i felt i had a really good understanding being in training since the year of 2000 as a training coordinator underneath Pat Lorienti and being around Jim Notary for all those years going out teaching the maze. Well, what happened is, is I had the opportunity to become the training chief in 2019, and I thought I had a really good game plan laid out for him for all those years. I mean, we do a lot of live fire. We're going to train with our neighbors. We're going to do a lot of hands-on training. Well, what came to a vision is in uh, 2020, we did a SWOT analysis on me. And I say me, the training division, and we had 20, 24 members of our fire department um, provide information on what we were doing well in areas that we need to improve on, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And once I got to see what we were doing well and where the weaknesses were and what the threats were, what the opportunities were, I knew I had to change. So that was the very first thing I did was I added more training training coordinators and then changed the way we were doing our training because I'm not the end user. They're the end users and it's my responsibility to provide them their needs, not what I think they need. So that was a great moment in, in personal growth for me is going like, okay, I got to change. So that's exactly what I did. Yeah, Chief, and I think that, like, as you're saying, that Julie was asking about how do you keep up on it, and in my short experience in the fire service, I've noticed that there's, you know, there's, like, hot-button topics, and there's fads, if you will, and it's it's kind of a, a revolving door of things. Like, I, for example, when I first joined the fire service five years, six years ago, you know, uh, wind-driven fires was huge. Everyone was talking about wind-driven fires, wind-driven fires, uh, you know, and this was shortly after our Vadas incident, um, but I was, I was very confused. I was like, I, we've always had fire and we've always had wind. Why is this new? You know. And then the next thing was transitional tax. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, we got we got to worry about transitional tax. And I was like, well, we've kind of always done that because they used not to have air packs, so they had to put the fire before they went in. Um, do you notice that kind of revolving door of trends that will kind of loop and what used to be cool is now not cool, and then it kind of <laughs> comes back around. 
Yeah, that's a funny. You're making me smile on that. Absolutely. Everything is cyclical in the fire service. I think in life in general, just think, man, we used to wear clothes in the 1970s and they were out. Now they're coming back. So hairdos and everything. So that's all changing. So back to your first question, what I did to become more knowledgeable within the fire services, obviously following up with the UL studies and being really engaged in when what the science is saying in the fire service, whether it was fire behavior, fire suppression, water mapping, um, search, basement fires, uh, attic fires, getting up on the roof to vent. So I really got engaged in those and I went through that whole academy just to make myself more knowledgeable. But the other things that I really noticed that really helped me too is attending conferences like FDIC. That was a monster conference because I've been stuck in some of my ways. One of them is, um, when I say stuck in my ways, is combination nozzles versus smoothbores. So I went and followed up on that and what, what smoothbores are all real, all about and how you suppress fire in those. And then um, since we're an accredited agency, I really wanted to get involved in that and understand uh, through accreditation and through credentialing what you can do to become well-versed in the entire fire service. So I went out and acquired my chief training officer and my chief fire officer certifications, which is, is a undertaking because first of all, you have to go through all of that paperwork and, and, and supporting documentation, but then you have three individuals across the United States validating your work. So when I did that, I was able to learn even more about the fire service and even more so on the training side, what people are doing out there that maybe I'm not doing. I think the other part too is about uh, educating yourself, is trusting the people around you. Meaning in the training division, we have a training chief, a training captain, a training lieutenant, and 10 training coordinators. Well, the training coordinators are really the boots on the ground. They're the ones saying, hey, what about this? What about this? What about this? Whatever it may be in training then I'll just follow up on it saying, yeah, okay, let's do this, but not do that. So those are some of the areas that I have focused on for personal growth to make our training better within the division is um, making sure I'm not the smartest man in the room. (laughs) Having smarter people around me is always nice. What are the challenges for you when you guys are out on scene and people are training differently, right? Is there ever, can you always adjust to that? Or is there ever times where it's like, that is not what we do? Well, I mean, within our department, um, the training division and uh, the department as a whole does a very good job of keeping things very unified. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, and I, I can truly say that about our department is the way A shift does things, the way it is the same way B shift does things and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, I've, I've been with departments that it's like I've, C shift shows up and they unload the hose and reload the hose a different way because they do it different, right? Um, so here it's very unified. So I can we can we can roll with any crew, any shift, and uh, we don't notice any training differences. Interagency sometimes we will. Um, I think the the uh, North area in general works together very well. Um, there's very few exceptions. There's maybe just a few cowboy officers out there that like to do things differently. Um, but for the most part, I mean, we'll go on a fire with Westy later today, and um, honestly, we won't notice a difference. Yeah, the other thing, too, is is in, in the North area, Dustin brings up a good point that we may do some things differently, but that's the purpose of training with all these other North area departments is where you could learn from other fire departments, but w- the commonalities in our training, 
The other thing too is is it, we find out where we can be more efficient as an agency at Adams County, watching the way other agencies operate, and in doing so, um, we've come up with common SOPs for uh, tactical operations, and now we're getting down into having commonality in our task level uh, mm-hmm. task that we have to work through. So one of them would be like. Um, the hose loads and the hose deployments for the whole north area. You know, we, we the whole north area is now working together to make sure that we have this common hose load to where now we will change that hose load within our agency and then also move into the different nozzle setups with on our pre-connect. So all that's changing. And that comes from um, being open-minded and having um, positive leadership to go like, you know what? this needs to happen for everybody because it's going to make everybody's job easier, especially with all of us responding to each other's district. Was being, is being a chief what you thought it would be? Um, no, it's, it would, when you're a hands-on firefighter, that's what you uh, always want to continue to do. I think that uh, the training captain position is a pretty cool position really, because you get to get out there and mentor and coach and throw your gear on and, and, uh, be involved with the crews, be more in touch with the crews, being more in touch with the individuals. Um, you have a bigger impact uh, on the people. The training chief is merely now an administration position, which I truly thrive in. I enjoy doing the data and I enjoy the the budget end of it. I enjoy requesting it. I enjoy everything that goes administratively with it. Um, my hands are a lot softer <laughs> compared to where they are. So I, I got those really nice soft hands. So um, that part is 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 a nice. The if I have to say anything challenge wise, is is um, you know just a different personalities and learning to work with those personalities, and then being in an office setting. Um, you know, working uh, cohesively with the ladies in our fire department, making sure that we provide to them what they need as well. How is it from a firefighter point of view? What have you learned from Brett um, as you've gotten to know him now that you're a training coordinator and, and spent a little bit more time that you can go, okay, that's really unique. And that's something that that's really resonating with me. Yeah, I've actually had the opportunity, luckily, to learn quite a bit from Brett. I got hurt a couple of years ago, so I was on light duty, and they uh, ended up assigning me to the training division, so we got to spend probably more time than he would have liked together. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was it was one of those, you know, no one wants to go on modified duty, but by the end of it, I was like, I'm glad I did that. You know, luckily, I was, wasn't there too long, and I was able to get in, get out, but uh, in the meantime, learned a lot, and seeing the opposite side of things really cleared up some muddy waters for me you know yeah you know down here you're just like oh the training division needs to do this they need to do this oh i wish we would do this better mm-hmm. but when you get in there and you see the inner workings of it and you see the big picture and it, it is a very big picture i mean chief has the training calendar done for next year already mm-hmm. he doesn't have to tell me i know it's done and it's all it's, it's all in order and it's all a big picture of this is where we want to be and this is how we're going to get there and you can't just you know snap your fingers and change things you have to follow the process so for me it was most interesting just to see the process and how it it actually it works it is working you know between for our department for the entire north area like like chief said the whole north area is getting together and essentially building 
one great fire department because we're taking a good idea from this department and a good idea from this department, mm-hmm. a good idea from our department, and making it one great department with all the best ideas. Absolutely. We do have to wrap this up because there's another training coming up um, yeah. for everybody yes. here. Um, before I, you're retiring in the summer of 2024. Yes. Correct. I'm okay. On. Yes. Um, what would you like as firefighters from our agency or listening and other firefighters, as you look back at your time, things that, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you, what do you want to impart um, on people? That, uh, the passion was there for the job that, uh, that there was a lot of leadership within there. There was a lot of personal growth for the, uh, for me that they recognized that, Oh, he, he was flexible instead of so rigid that he actually cared. Um, I think that part gets lost because of maybe the high demand or high expectation that, um, you know, that he, that I put my best foot forward. And that, that like I said, that people knew that I cared because, um, I tell people all the time, I'm sad that I got to retire, but I'm glad that I got to retire because working here at Adams County is, is the greatest thing ever I've done with my life. Um, I say it all the time. And the fact that I'd have given up professional athletics to do this at 21, it's, it's just a phenomenal career. This is a f- phenomenal fire department. We have some growth going on and, um, some opportunity going on. And so if that could be my legacy that people knew that Brett cared and had passion for what he was doing. And I've done what I needed to do. You're going to be missed, Chief. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. And we'll see you out on the baseball field because you are going to be a part-time coach for the, um, you're a part-time coach right now for the Grand Junction Grand Jackalope. Junction. Yeah. yeah, minor league coach for the Grand Junction Jackalopes. Yeah, we'll see you at a game because yes. can you get us a box? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Two boxes. <laughs> Two boxes. We'll, we'll, we'll bring you into sandbag on our slow pitch softball game. <laughs> All right. I don't know if I can do that anymore. <laughs> Those days are over. Brett, we will miss you. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. And I, All right. I love being here. Thanks for the opportunity yeah. to doing this. Of course. See you next week. Medic 11. Engine 11. You've been listening to The Fire Line. A podcast by Adams County Fire Rescue. Adams County Update. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Roger, we've ordered two more rescues for you. And check out our webpage, acfpd.org, for more on the services we offer, fire prevention information, and how to become a firefighter at Adams County Fire Rescue. 11. Thanks for listening, and please stay safe.